Good to see everyone today. Uh, my name is Myung Ha Choi as Brady Miller. Our brother introduced me. Uh, I'm the community pastor of Hillside Campus, and it is my first time to be on New Philly's live stream. Hello there. So this sort of a video will be played at Itaewon and Seaside Campus today. So for that, I'm a little nervous. Do I look okay, Heidi? Okay, good. My bangs good? Okay. So today is April 6th. 2014. Is that correct? Sydney Church plan that we just prayed for is having their official launch service uh, in about 20 minutes. They're going to, you know, take off the launch. It's happening today. And we've been praying for this. We've been planning. We've been praying into it. Uh, It's happening finally. And something to definitely celebrate as the whole house. And April in general is a very special month for New Philly. So it marks two-year anniversary of Seaside Campus down in Busan. Um, Busan, I'll see you next week. I'll be there for a wedding. Okay. So, I'm sorry, I got to keep giving shout-outs. But uh, Seaside Campus in Busan, it's been already two years that they've been, uh, they started uh, their church plant. And it's growing. So many people are coming out. It's, it's powerful. Uh, good things are happening there. It also marks a four-year anniversary of New Philly's very first church plant in Itaewon. Four years. Congratulations, Itaewon. <laughs> Love you guys. And um, it was also in April of 2009, five years ago, that New Philly became New Philly, New Philadelphia Church. So we used to be called JSEM, which means, which stands for Jail Songdo English Ministry that no one could remember. And with the new name came new identity and the new vision and new leadership, which was PCMPE, Past Christian and Erin. And when Past Christian and Erin, when they return this, this week, they're going to be returning from Sydney, I think on Friday. So when they officially return, we're going to celebrate this month of April because so many good things have happen we gotta celebrate right so the church church isn't just a place to be all serious and be quiet it's a place where you could have joy you can have party at you know where's the party at it's a church amen so you guys can laugh as well (laughs) and my corny jokes okay i welcome pity laughs as well okay you guys can feel free to do that um but we will properly celebrate this month of april that god has done so many powerful things and god's been so faithful And personally, this April also marks the beginning of my 10th year at New Philly. No, it's crazy. I came here in 2005 um, as a uh, Sunday school kid. I was 12 years old. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I came here in 2005 as a freshman at Iwa Women's University. Come on, Iwa. Come on. That's good. Um, I was an unchurched non-believer, never heard the gospel before, uh, and this is the place where I heard the gospel for the first time. This is a very sanctuary where God revealed the truth, which is his son, Jesus Christ, and he has set me free, and I've been kept free, praise the Lord, for the past nine years. And this is the place where God continued to encounter me, and I know that he will continue to encounter us in this room. Do you guys believe that? And so who I am today is really a testimony and a fruit of this community. So I want to just, just start by saying that you guys are looking at kind of like the, still in progress, but like a fruit of this house. 
And I think there is no better way to give thanks to God uh, than to preach the word of God today to my spiritual family. So, you know, it's a special day for me. And don't you think that God has given me a bomb word to preach? Right? Definitely, I have one for you, and it's for every single one of you. So if you're ready to hear it, uh, let me hear, drop the bomb on me. My English is not very proper, by the way, okay? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, drop that on me. Oh, you said it. Oh, you said it. So when you meet someone for the first time, I meet a lot of new people here. What do you usually ask them? First question, what's your name? Second question, where are you from? That's very good. I'm not alone here. To this very simple question of where are you from, more people have rather complicated answers these days. Did you guys notice? If you look at any of New Philly's sign-up forms, we got rid of that section called hometown. And we instead, we ask, where did you grow up or where are you from? With a simple question, simple, simple answer. For example, I grew up in Seoul, but went to college in Boston. Grew up in New York, but went to school in Michigan. Does anybody do that? But anyways, something like that. <laughs> you know, but some people, they have to write an essay about where they grew up. You know, oh, I grew up in here and there and then this continent and that nation and blah, blah, blah. They all write essays. And this is rather a new thing, but it's, it's true, especially, I think, in Korea. So many people are in Korea, and you guys are not from Korea, right? So the concept of home is very different than the one of generations that was before us. So back in the days, most people lived in the part of the world that they were born into. They grew up with the same community of people, and then, you know, that's where they end up at a lot of times, right? But now, people fly everywhere for education. A lot of students here, you guys are on exchange program, scholarship program, uh, study abroad program, whatever that is. Education brings you to different countries. Careers and job opportunities could fly them, fly them over to opposite side of the globe, which is why many of you guys are actually here. How many of you are not from Korea? You're working here. Raise your hands. What about exchange students? You're not from Korea, but you're studying here. Education. Pretty much... More than half of the room. People also move to pursue a better life or provide better opportunities for their children, uh, which is a case where many of our Korean diaspora, uh, the parents, our parents, not my parents, but some of your parents move to America, move to different parts of the world to provide better opportunities for the children. And some of you have returned to the land that the parents decided to leave, and I don't know why. So the blessing of gaining mobility, especially through the commercial flights, has complicated the answer to such simple question. Hey, where are you from? Where is your home? So instead, I started to ask people, hey, where do you consider home? I think that's a better question to ask sometimes. And when I hear people answer that question, I kind of get to see what their definition, concept, or idea of home is. Right? Think about your own answer. If I ask you, where do you consider home, what will be your answer and why? Do you guys want to ask each other? Let's do that. Why don't you guys, every campus, why don't you just turn to your neighbor? Get their names and where they're considered home and why.
All right, no, no essay writings here, okay? Short brief answers. I think there was enough time, right? <laughs> For most of us, there was enough time to answer the question. So some of you said, oh, it's, it's, it's this place because it's, that's where I was born in. Right? Place of origin, birth, a place where your family root is, or where your family lives right now, or where you spent most of your childhood in, could be a good answer. Where your soul finds most comfort in, you know, oh, I just feel at home in that city. Some of you might have answered that. Uh, or when you say back home, are you referring to an entire country, or a city, or the community of people, or just a house? So pe some people have a broader sense of home, some people just they should talk about their home, their house. So for some people, home has more to do with a piece of soul than a piece of soil, right? So for them, it is people that make home home. It's my family, it's my friends, it's my pet. Pets are very important, not that they're people. But for some people, home has more to do with uh, what's on your dinner plate than what's on your heart. Oh, my favorite bakery, my favorite cafe, and my mom's food. You know, the taste of home is what makes home really home for you. Some of you guys are smiling, and I know that that's you. Um, and everyone, I believe, you know, everyone will agree, home is a place you feel comfortable. Right? Some other words that are closely tied to an ideal home, I asked many of my friends this past week, security, safety, warmth, Family, rest, comfort, love, pajamas, sing-alongs, who does that? Jamming sessions, drive on empty roads, I'm sure you're from America, fireplace, reach home from America, <laughs> mowing the lawn, some people answer that, slumber party, barbecue in the backyard, stars in the sky, going fishing. Okay, before you start all crying, let me stop. But wait a second. Really? Really? I want to ask you guys, and also I want you to ask yourself, is it really a biblical perspective of home? What you have an, as a concept, an idea, definition of home, is that from the word of God? I want to challenge your perspective of home today. Let's see what Jesus said about home. We're all here because of Jesus. We sang about him. You know, it's all about Jesus, right? Let's see what Jesus said about home. Jesus, if you ask him, where do you consider home, Jesus? Let's see, what do you think he was answer? A place that he was born in? Oh, I was born in a manger. It's a food tray for animals. That's where I was born, in a city called Bethlehem. Is that, is that Jesus' home? Probably not, right? Um, what about a place that he grew up? Where did he grow up in? Nazareth. So that's why we call him Jesus of Nazareth, right? And it's a small town that people back, back then said nothing good could come out of. It's a tiny, tiny town. And Jesus said about his hometown, these are some remarks that he made about his hometown, okay? Compared to what your definition of home was. John 4, 30, 43 to 44. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. So he spent two days in his hometown, okay? Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Home, warmth, oh, fellowship, ketchups, 
Doesn't really sound like it. John 7, 5, it says, For not even his brothers believed in him. His own siblings, his own brothers didn't even believe in him. Home is not home sweet home for Jesus. Mark 6, 1 to 6, he went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And then uh, later on, it says, they took offense at him. The people that were in his hometown called him, isn't he that carpenter, son of Joseph? You know, he was pretty much rejected at his hometown. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, the Bible says, because it was his hometown. Rosy definition of home, hometown that we have and what Jesus describes as his home is very distant and different. And he is very consistent about talking about even other people and their homes. So let's see what he says about their homes. So he got 12 disciples, right? He was doing ministry in, uh, I almost said Korea. While he was doing ministry in Galilee area, he called them by saying this one sentence. What was it? Follow me. Everyone say, follow me. me. Let me paraphrase that for you. Leave everything and come with me. Follow me, right? And the disciples, to my surprise, they left everything. They left their families, their livelihood, their their fishers, right? The fishing net, the ship. They they left it all. Some of them were tax collectors. They left their booth and then their money-counting books. They just left it and they just followed Jesus. Leave everything about your life. Leave everything that's comfortable, everything that's familiar to you. Leave your home and follow me. And disciples, they did it. Furthermore, Jesus talks about him being on earth. Luke chapter 9, verses 58 says this. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man, referring to himself, has no place to lay his head. You don't have a, you don't got a pillow. You got no place to lay your head on. That's pretty sad. It it sounds like to me, he has no place of rest, comfort. He's got no place to lay his head upon. Does it sound like a homeless man to you now? This is a Jesus, our Lord and Savior. You know, and this shows his perspective of home. All these remarks about his hometown and home and how he's telling everybody to leave your homes to follow him, right? Jesus made it very clear that his home was not on earth. His home was an eternal one in heaven. He lived as a sojourner. He lived as an alien. He understood that his brief stay on earth was going to end. See, in summary, he's not very big on home, period. Some of you here, you guys have ARC. How many of you guys have your ARC in Korea? So ARC, it it represents alien registration card, okay? And alien isn't really a friendly term. I'm sorry about that. But think about it. You guys are at least registered aliens, okay? (laughs) Jesus was not even a registered alien. He was just straight up an alien in the land. He didn't even have a card, okay? He was not of this world. 
And he says it clearly in chapter 17 of uh, Gospel of John. And here's the news for you. He also says, neither are you talking about us. We're not of this world either. Our citizenship is not in America, not in Philippines, not in Korea. It's in heaven. Our citizenship is truly in heaven. And the time we have on earth is like a split second. I think we just so often forget this simple fact. And some of people say, you know, oh, but Jesus only had 33 years on earth. And I plan on living longer than that. It's not up to you, by the way. <laughs> you want to double that, triple that, you know, you know, eat healthy and exercise, I guess. But, <laughs> and stay at a, a safe place. But, you know, compared to the length of eternity, eternity is eternal, by the way, right? So if you think about 30 years, 60 years, 90 years, doesn't even matter. It's just a split second compared to the length of eternity. So we all are sojourners and aliens dropping by earth for this short lifetime. And I think... A lot of uh, foreigners, we have a lot of visitors, uh, or foreigners in general, the aliens, that work in Korea or study in Korea. And then they sometimes feel a little like, oh, self-pity. You know, oh, I'm the foreigner here, I'm the alien here. But the truth of the matter is, we all are. We all ought to live like sojourners that are on a journey. I think Jesus would tell most of us today about our idea and concept of home which is our earthly temporary home. And he probably will say, you guys, it's overrated. It's really overrated. It's really magnified in our minds. And we have brainwashed ourselves to the modern Hollywood portrait type of ideas or even pop song brainwashed type of ideas of home. Um, I, I've been listening to this song. It's, it's by My, Michael Bublé. I didn't say Michael Bubble. That's how I read it at the first, when I first saw his name. <laughs> Michael Bublé, Home. How many of you love this song? It's a pretty good song, right? The only reason why I know this is because Bernard Park, he sang it at K-pop star. Uh, if you don't know him, don't worry about it. But Bernard, if you ever watch this, come to New Philly. <laughs> we'll make you feel right at home, okay? Sorry, uh, but I'm a big fan. Okay, but Michael Bublé Home, this song is really good. I really like this song, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's something, along with the movies and along with the media, it's something that really causes us to magnify the idea of home in our minds. So the, the song goes like this, I'm not going to sing it, but another winter day has come and gone away. You can listen to Bernard later. In either Paris or Rome, and I want to go home, let me go home. And I'm surrounded by a million people. I still feel alone. <laughs> and let me go home. Oh, I miss you, you know. Oh, my. <laughs> and then let me go home. I've had my run. Baby, I'm done. I gotta go home. Let me go home. <sighs> Good song. But I'm saying... And there's nothing wrong with loving your home, guys. That's not what I'm trying to get at. Uh, it's okay to love your home. But it becomes a problem when you get too attached 
two earthly homes. How do you know that I'm too attached? How do I know that I'm too comfortable in my earthly dwelling? Okay, here are the two keys. Number one is, if it kills your longing for heavenly home, then you are too attached to your earthly home. If you're living like you're going to live here forever, that's when you know that it's, it's, it's gone a little too out of control. We are so consumed in and also so attached to the idea of our earthly homes that we don't even long for the heavenly city that awaits us. I'm going to be honest. I love my home. I live at Hongdae. That's where it's at in this city of Seoul. Awesome. Uh, I live with Hole. She's at Itaewon today. And Sarah Sa. Where are you, Rumi? All right. She's right there. Very quiet. Uh, not excited at all. Okay. <laughs> I love my home in the middle of Hongdae. And I love the fact that I have my pretty decorated cozy room, my own bed, my desk. Love it. All the pictures on the wall. Love it. Love the fact that my friends can come over. I can cook for them. We have a big living room. It's really nice home. And you know, good things, all the good things come from the father. Do you guys know that? And I know that God blessed us with this awesome house. And for that, I'm very, very grateful and I'm enjoying it greatly. But God didn't give it to me to replace my longing for my heavenly home. That was never his intention or his desire. Um, but I sometimes find myself loving it way too much. Way too much. That was never his intention or desire. And if your life here is too good to the point where you don't even want the heavenly home, something has gone pretty wrong there. You probably have been too attached to the things that you possess, things that are in your room. Uh, a few days ago, there was an earthquake in Korea. There was the third uh, strongest earthquake that Korea has ever had uh, in their history. It was 5.3. It originated from Taeyeon down in south. How many of you guys felt it? You guys felt it? Or oh, okay, okay. We'll, we'll, let's talk later. Okay, compare our experiences. But the aftershock of it, it hit Seoul at 4.50 in the morning, okay? And I woke up to the aftershock, the shaking of my windows and my bed, and the first thing that I thought was, oh no, wartime. It's because the night before, I was talking with my roommate, Sarah, and we were talking about how the South Korea and North Korea were shooting at each other, other over the ocean. So that actually happened, and the tension was rising. We were thinking, and then they resumed on their uh, uh, the nuclear testing and all that stuff. So we had that intense conversation, and I went to bed. 4.50 in the morning, I wake up with the window shaking and my bed shaking, and I was like, oh, no. North Korea, you did it. Did anyone else think, thought, did anyone else think the same thing? Sarah, you did? Okay, because we had that conversation, girl. Uh, <laughs> and the night, yeah, yeah, I, I, okay. The first thing that came to mind was war, guys. And the moment I realized, because there's no news, okay, it just happened. So I, oh no, war. And the first thought that I had after that was, what should I pack? Where am I going to go? Like, realistically speaking, if war breaks out right now, what are you going to do? You're going to pack your stuff. You're going to go, right? Actually, really not. You know? <laughs> but this, this nation is small enough that you can't really go anywhere. But, <laughs> but I thought, but I, I, as I was thinking through the scenarios, I was like, no, my home, though. I can't pick my, my room, you know. 
man, my home. Finally, I'm living in a home that I like. And somehow, I fell back asleep. And in the morning, I found out it was an earthquake. Praise the Lord. But that shook me up. Physically and also in my, in my mind. It shook me up to the core. If war ever breaks out, or if a big earthquake hits my home, my house and my room means nothing. Nothing, right? She's got to leave. So think about it. You're longing for heavenly home. Do you have that in your heart? If you don't, Maybe life is just too comfortable for you. Maybe you have accumulated way too much. Think about it. The second point is it hinders you from following Jesus. When you are too attached to the earthly home, it hinders you from following Jesus. And a few days after the earthquake happened, I was on my Facebook, and then I saw uh, one of my um, seminary classmates, his name is Mr. Park, okay? Mr. Park is a little bit older. He has two kids and has a wife. And he talked about a small thing happened to his family. And then there were pictures and then a long status update. And I looked at it. And I was utterly in shock. So his house got burned down overnight. So when the family was out for dinner, a house for mysterious reason got on, caught, caught on fire. And then the house literally burned down. They did not save a single thing. Not even change of clothes or underwear. Okay? The entire family is literally in their outfit that they're wearing. And their house is gone. They didn't save anything. I thought to myself, man, he must be really depressed and devastated. But his status keeps going. And he, this is what he says. What does he say? <laughs> Oh, he says this. He was praising God that God took care of earthly possessions that was claiming corners of his heart. He was confident by the fact that God will continue to provide for his family. The gist of it was that. And I was just in awe. Okay, your house just got burned down. Don't you have to at least cry or something? You know? I would have been utterly devastated and depressed, probably for weeks, right? And another thought I had right after that was, this is a type of man like Jesus' disciples. If Jesus would come up to him and said, hey, follow me, this type of man, Mr. Park, he would have given up everything, left home, and he would have followed Jesus. That led me to another thought that, oh, I don't know if I will do the same thing. I'll probably ask many questions. But Jesus, for how long to wear? And probably would have hesitated. If at all, followed. As a pastor, that's... I'm just being really honest. What about my walk-in closet full of my stuff, my accessories and my dresses and my favorite stuff? What about my 30 pairs of Nike shoes? I'm not talking about myself, some of you brothers <laughs> that you never wear. <laughs> I don't understand that. Um, your musical instruments, you know, that you invested in so much. Electronic gadgets that you love, all the Apple fans, right? Your treasures today could literally be your trash tomorrow. That's the, the simple fact. Your treasure today could be trash tomorrow. You're trash tomorrow. 
And this incident also shook me up greatly. And I was shaken up. Wow, I am way too attached to my earthly home. Home is really, the more I pray about it, think about it, home is really overrated. I mean, enjoy his blessing, his provision, but never allow them to be a hindrance in following Jesus. Imagine he comes up to you today and say, Sarah, drop it all. Let's go. What will hinder you from saying yes and following him immediately? A lot of things. And I think it really has to be my, my rule. I was trying to think, this is a good line. Don't own it if you can't give it up. So when you want to accumulate something, when you want to buy something, if it's going to hinder you from following Jesus later on, just don't get it. Don't own it if you cannot give it up. You know, if Jesus says, follow me, but oh, but my MacBook that I bought yesterday, I want to enjoy it a little bit more and then go, just don't get it. You know, if you're ready to give it up, then, then buy it. You know, if God takes that away because of fire or whatever, are you going to feel bitter about it? Oh my goodness, God, how could you take that away from me? That sense of entitlement. If you're going to have that, just don't get it. Don't own it if you can't give it up. I think that's like a good rule that we can all always think about. And I know of a, a powerful couple that really live for the home in heaven and not very attached to the home in earth. Uh, their names are Pastor Paul and Jamie Yu. They are the campus pastors in Sydney, Australia, and I was tremendously blessed by their stories. So when they were challenged to move down to Sydney, Australia as a campus pastors, they prayed and then they heard that God was calling them both uh, to that land. And they moved from New Jersey of U.S. to Sydney, Australia. And some of you may think, oh, Sydney is an amazing city to live in. You know, why not? I would do the same thing. You may think that, but they had to sell their car because of all these different circumstances and cost-related reasons. I had to sell their car, nice car that they had, left their furniture, all of it, beautiful furniture, by the way. I'm talking about like, oh, I got married, so my parents gifted me with this awesome, expensive, you know, all that stuff. Had to give that up. Uh, Gave away all their stuff, all the stuff. Except for one box of stuff left for Paul, two boxes for Jamie, and 16 boxes of books. Okay. Talk about nerdy people here. Okay. 16 boxes of books and three boxes for themselves were shipped over to Sydney. And it took like two months for it to get there. And when I heard their stories, I was thinking, I think I have about 30 boxes of stuff in my room, if not 40. Okay. And I was thinking, wow. If I were to go, would I be able to give that all up and just pack and leave and follow him? Challenged me to the core. God called them and they left home and they followed. And it's time to ask yourself, I think, through all these stories and all this stuff, uh, can I really drop everything and go if Jesus points to a direction and says, follow me? I know a lot of you guys here are college students and you're wondering why Jesus is not telling me where to go, what to do, my vision, my calling, what am I supposed to do with my life? And one of the main reasons I think God is keeping it um, concealed from you is because you are not ready to drop it and go. If he says, go that way, and you're going to be saying like, oh, but this, that, but, uh, you know, then what's the point of him telling you if you're not going to go? He's just being gracious in preparing you 
so that you could drop it and I'll follow you. And he's waiting for that time. Don't tell him that he's not talking to you. He's talking to you. He's maturing you. He's taking you on a journey. But it always takes a decision. You have to make that decision to follow. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also, the Bible says. And we all know about this story of a young, rich ruler who came to Jesus. And he asked about the secret to go to heaven, you know, for eternity. And Jesus tells him plainly that you got to sell all your stuff and then follow me. Then you will have, you'll be with me in, in the, whatever, you know, you know, you know that story? <laughs> and the young ruler, the rich ruler, he could not do that. And he sadly walks away from Jesus. When I read it recently, I was afraid that I'll be like him. When he's asking me, eye to eye, Myung-ha, can you do that? Drop it all and let's go. Will I be able to say, yes, let's do this? I was in fear. Working on it. Home is not your stuff. Home is not your apartment. Home is what is awaiting us. And the mansion that God is preparing for us. It's an eternal dwelling that is awaiting us. Do you guys say amen to that? So today I titled my sermon. It's, it's this. Leave home to find home. If you are taking notes. It's deep, right? Leave home to find home. Very proud of this. Leave home to find home. Jesus is preparing something better. And in this temporary dwelling on earth, we should be able to leave home to really find ourselves at home. And let's not lose sight of what is coming because of the little that we have. Our humble studio in Korea, Seoul. You know, let's not lose sight of the mansion that is waiting for us just for this. And I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10, 13 to 16. We're going to read it together. Daisy, could you get me my Bible? Hebrews 11, the chapter on faith. Oh, my... Right, we're going to read from verse 8 to 10 and then skip to 13 to 16. This will just summarize pretty much what we talked about. Uh, verse 8, I'm uh, reading from ESV. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I'm going to skip to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, 
But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they're not seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land um, from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Amen. I'm going to look at a little bit more about what the Bible says about home. You know, this Bible verse that we just read talks about Abraham, and he's the father of faith that we often refer him to. Abraham, he appears in the Bible for the first time in Genesis chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1 says this, right when his name appears. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In short, the first thing that God tells him is leave your home. So clear. Let's talk about Moses. Moses was a Hebrew baby who was born in Egypt. Um, he was a uh, Kyopo. Many of you guys are Kyopo, right? Uh, Koreans that were born in America or Brazil and different places. And he was one of you guys, right? He was a Hebrew baby, was born in Egypt, a Hebrew Egyptian. He also called, uh, God calls him, uh, fast forward. If you don't know the story, please read the Bible or watch Prince of Egypt. Uh, <laughs> wonderful reference. Uh, he also was an adoptee into the royal family of Egypt, Egypt right? And fast forward, God calls him to lead a few million people of Israelites out of the land of Egypt, which was land of slavery. Israelites were living in the land for 400 years. That's a long time. They lived in Egypt. Yes, they were slaves, but I want you guys to remember the biblical facts. How did they enter into Egypt? Joseph. Oh, some of you know. Joseph. You guys remember in book of Genesis, there was a man named Joseph. His brothers were jealous of him, so they sold him to slavery, and then he was taken to the land of Egypt, right? And then he was in the house of Potiphar as a slave, and then went to the dungeon because of Potiphar's wife seducing him, and he, he, ran, he ran off, and he ended up in a, like a dungeon, like a prison, underground prison, and then he uh, got you know, vindicated him, and he uh, he was pretty much the prime minister of Egypt, right? So he was the man in charge. So God placed him in the place of authority and influence in Egypt. And you may think, man, Joseph's life was really tough, but that was God's hand preparing the Israelites' homeland, right? Because of Joseph, at the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph invites all his brothers and his father, Jacob, his name later is Israel. The entire Israelites are invited to the land of Goshen, right? Which is a piece of land in Egypt, and that became their homeland, okay? Joseph prepared the way for them to come, and uh, later on, uh, the pharaohs that didn't know about the story of Joseph, they turned the Hebrews into slaves, that's how it happened. At the beginning, they were honored guests. They were led into the land, and then they settled down. It became their homeland. But then later on, when Moses' time came, Moses says, this is land of slavery, and I'm going to lead you to a promised land, which is going to be your new home. He leads you to home, right? And so 
land of provision, it's new home. And God is trying to use Moses to lead the people out of Egypt and lead them to this land of Canaan. Are you guys with me? Um, okay, I just skipped Hoban. Sorry, I typed up everything because I was nervous of the camera. And it's like throwing, throwing me off. Um, time has passed. And when the Pharaoh, oh, okay, I talked about it already. Okay. <laughs> the Lord has spoken to Moses. It's time to leave home. And I will lead you to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. And God shows, makes it clear. I'll show you 10 plagues. And then I'll split the Red Sea uh, for this exodus, the Israelites leaving the land of Egypt. But whenever things got tough on the way to the promised land, we're very familiar with these stories. If you grew up in church, Israelites start to crumble, crumble. Even that word sounds like grumbling, grumble, grumble. They grumbled, grumbled, right? They talked about how it was so much better in Egypt. And if you look at it, they were essentially homesick. Listen to what they say, okay? It was so much better in Egypt. It would have been better if I died in that land. They're homesick, guys. Homesick about the land of slavery. It was so much better back then, my good old days in Egypt. Constantly grumbling. Whenever they face an obstacle, whenever they get hungry, whenever they get thirsty, when things are good, oh, water's coming out of the rock. You know, God is sending us meat. God is sending us food. When things are good, they're fine. But when things get tough, they start to crumble and they are massively homesick. I wish I could go back to Egypt. So much better there. Does it sound familiar to some of you? God brought you to Korea, I believe. Many of you are called to be in this land. And I, for the past nine years, I heard a lot of foreigners doing the same thing. When things get tough, oh, back home, it was so much better. Korea this, Korean that. They don't know etiquette. They're so rude. These ajumas, ajushis. Blah, blah, blah. I wish I could just go back. People back home are not like this. And you, you call that homesick. You said that you're homesick. You miss home. But really, that's not what it is. It's just that... <laughs> and I know that some people have gone back home because of that very reason. Because I'm homesick. But even though... It was clear that God was calling them forward, calling them to Canaan, the promised land. It was very clear for the Israelites, but Israelites were looking back to their homeland. And they, they really paid for that. That's a scary part. None of them entered the promised land because of their grumbling. Because they looked back and thought the land that God told them to leave was better. And they wanted to go back. And I have a friend. I'm not going to reveal his identity, but he's a Mennonite friend from Canada. (laughs) He's been in Korea for about 10 years. He's been in and out of Korea a few times as well. I was talking with him yesterday about uh, this, this message, the gist of it, and he shared how he also had a time period where he just wanted to go home. And, um, you know, 
I'm not talking about going home because God is leading you back. I'm talking about when things are clear that God has called you here or to somewhere else. He's clearly showed you that this is the place I'm calling you. But you just saying, oh, I don't think that's going to work. I just want to go back home. I'm talking about those cases, okay? You know, those good old days, you know, home is where I ought to be. My family, hockey, and I don't know, more blonde girls there. I don't know why, but uh, but some people have this mentality <laughs> that he also had. Going home will fix all my problems. It's all going to be fine once I return home. Home is a place I belong to. Home, home sweet home, whatever you think. But so he left. He actually left back to Canada. But he quickly, when he got there, realized that he was wrong. Home was not a solve-all answer. Your earthly afflictions and issues in your soul will not be solved by you simply being comfortable at home. You're wrong. You could probably turn a blind eye to it. It's probably easier when you're home, in your familiar place. But that does not mean that your problems disappear. You carry that home as well. And guess what? God brought him back to Korea. And he met this beautiful Korean-Canadian wife in Korea. And God had awesome ministry lined up for him. The calling, he has found it here. And I'm just so glad to say that Pastor John is with us today. (laughs) One Mennonite man that I know (laughs) in this whole white world. Learn from him though. Some of you are thinking the same thing. Going home will solve everything. Really? Let's really see if that is true. And there's another person in the Bible. Uh, you guys know a person named Lot? Lot was Abraham's nephew, right? And then they parted to different lands, and Lot chose to go to Sodom, which was a land of sin. And he had a wife, right? And fast forward, God decides to, God decides to judge the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, and sends an angel of the Lord and then tells the family to leave, evacuate. You got to leave. I'm going to destroy the city. It's going to be rain of fire and sulfur, all the stuff. So go, don't look back. Clear instruction. Do not look back. Guess what? The family's leaving. She's lingering and she chooses to turn back. And she is turned into what? A pillar of salt. Ooh, salty. That's what happened when she looked back. She probably was just thinking, oh, but my home is burning. You know? Acting's not that great. (laughs) And there are just too many stories about people having to leave home and people returning and looking back and the consequences of it, the people of God suffered through. Think about all the prophets. All of them, most of them are called out of where they are, the familiar places, and go to somewhere else. Disciples of Jesus, they had to leave, and then they have to follow Jesus. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 that applies to everyone in this room, go. That means leave, right? Go and make disciples. And there's this constant theme about leaving home, leaving what is comfortable, leaving what is familiar, leaving family, leaving things. And my point of, the point of my message is not don't, don't, don't you dare leave Korea is not my point. Okay? If you gotta go home, go home. Okay? I'm not trying to keep you all in Korea as my friends. That's not my intention at all. If God is calling you back to your homeland, go back. 
right? But I'm talking about cases where it's very clear that he has called you to a certain land, not necessarily Korea, but you just want to go home because you miss that comfort, because you lack that faith. I'm talking about those cases. And all the leaving home stories that I just talked about, and all in the Bible, It's really about following God's call and following God's will. Essentially, that's what it is. When God says go, you leave home. And toward the unseen things that he has prepared. For Abraham, for most of the saints in the Bible, it was the case. You leave and then you go to the unseen. And guess what? To go to an unseen things and places, it takes faith. You must have faith. Faith is assurance of what is not seen, right? You have to have faith to go toward the unseen areas that God is calling you to. Sometimes we want to avoid that. We, we, we don't want to go to that dark place that we don't know about. I got to have all the details laid out, you know, like, like, laid out. You know, some of us are just not familiar with that. And faith, guess, guess what? When you follow God's will and his call, When it's unseen and you take the step of faith and he delights in it, he will reward you for that. So clear in the Bible. And that's why this book, Hebrews chapter 11, it's about, it's chapter about by faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, by faith, by faith. And they all did something that they were not familiar with, they have never seen before. The unseen. When God says go, you go. All the going home, turning back type of stories that I shared about, it's all about returning to the good old days, familiar things, what I've seen before, how things used to be. Oh, it worked back then, so it should work for me again type of things, which takes absolutely no faith. You don't need faith to go back home. It's familiar. You know how how things are there, you know? And by doing that, what you really communicate to the Lord is, listen to this, this is scary. What you're communicating to the Lord is, God, you just simply can't provide for me in this land. So I'm going I'm to I'm go back to the land of familiarity to pro- provide for myself through the means that I know. At least I know how things are there. So I'll just do that because you just failed providing for me in this land. Is that what you're really trying to communicate to the Lord? So you got to watch out. Turning back is a dangerous thing. So follow God's call by faith. That's the essential message that we get about all these stories. Follow God's call by faith. I want you to turn to your neighbor and then tell them that. Follow God's call by faith. is just really good he's so gracious and i want to end with this point because you guys all look like a bunch of depressed people right now (laughs) but i'm just gonna end with this when you do that when you find yourself in the center of god's will hey you find yourself at home that's just how things are when you give up your life for the sake of him you actually find it there that's just a simple truth So when you find yourself in the center of God's will, you get to experience the glimpse of the heavenly home around you. Finally, at your soul, you are home. Not the Western definition of home, but you are home in your soul. 
Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When you leave home, you find yourself at home. That's why I titled this, Leave Home to Find Home. When you find yourself in following God's will, you know who did, you know who recently did that in our community? The Sydney Punch team, they did that. When they were challenged to follow God's will for their lives, they had to give up. They had to give up their friends here. The comforts here, the jobs here, they dropped it all and then they followed the will of God. And they left home, but they are home now. They are home in Sydney. And this is a quote from a biography of Mary Slessor. I might have butchered her name. I'm sorry. But she is a, um, a missionary who was a young single lady uh, who left Scotland at the turn of the 20th century to go to a part of Africa that was very dangerous back then, and it was infested with disease, okay? Young, single woman, she went. And this is a part of her biography that she wrote, and then let me read it for you. I am not very particular about my bed these days, but as I lay on a few dirty sticks laid across and covered with a little litter of dirty corn shells with plenty of rats and insects, Three women and an infant three days old alongside, and over a dozen sheep and goats and cows outside, you don't wonder that I slept little. But I had such a comfortable, quiet night in my own heart. I read this paragraph probably more than 10 times, and it struck me to the core. She was home there. She followed the will of God calling of God, she found herself in the center of it and she was truly home. The peace, that comfort that only comes through following the will of Jesus Christ. She found herself home after giving it all up to follow Jesus. And my question is simple today. Are you guys home today? Are you guys home today? Do you have the peace, comfort, the warmth, and the satisfaction of home in your heart? Or are you constantly tempted to look back, tempted to grumble out of the homesickness that you feel? Are you entertaining the thoughts that it's all going to be fine once I return, so I just better go now? Or are you seeking to go back when you know that God wants you somewhere else? I'm just going to invite the praise team to come up. And I'm just going to take this time to pray uh, for whoever would like to receive prayer regarding some matters. These are some questions that I really want you guys to ask yourself. Ask yourself and don't fall asleep. I want to encourage you guys to just close your eyes and just assess where you are in the things that I talked about. I talked about a lot of things. Earthquake, war, leaving home and finding home in his perfect will and a lot of things, but I really hope that some of it hit you at home in your heart. Are you too attached to your earthly home and your possessions? That's something that you really want to lay down so that you can follow Him and to His perfect will. Have you lost the longing for your heavenly home because you're just too comfortable here? Or have you decided that missions is not for me because life here is too good? Are you one of them? And more than anything, I want to just challenge you. I want you to think about it. If Jesus will come to you right now and he just simply gently says, 
Hey, would you like to follow me? At the cost of leaving home, what you think is home. I'm just going to invite everyone to close your eyes. Ask yourself. Ask Jesus to ask you that hard question. What is holding me back? What are the things that I just cannot give up? What are the things that I'm way too attached to? What is it that's so magnified in my mind about home? You only are home when you are in the center of God's will. If you're not doing that, you will wander around. Just going to ask campus pastors at each campus, you guys could lead the time of prayer. But I want you guys.